I sat here. Now I have the right mic. <laughs> I was like, I was ready. And I didn't even look at my settings. Always check your settings, Don. Oh, check your six. Check your six. Check your head. Do you know uh do you know today uh, I I listened to a it's not a podcast but it's a it's a thing on Apple Music uh, that was a, a uh 30 year retrospective of the uh, the Beastie Boys album Check Your Head. It came out 30 oh, wow. years ago today. Um yeah, it was that was before I remember going to like actual record stores or CD stores at the, at the time to get things that came out on the first day. I don't know when I like discovered it. It was sometime later that year, but it's my, what, like probably my favorite album of all time. Probably. Wow. So, yeah, it was really good. There's, I'll link to this if I can. It's in, maybe not. It's in Apple Music. And and so it's like, it may not even be linkable, but check it out if if you have Apple Music and subscribe to that. It's It's a essentials retrospective of Check Your Head. There, that's what I'm listening to. By my buddy, George Strombolopoulos. <laughs> Strombo. I think I talked about him on a couple episodes ago. So um, I did homework for, for, for us. I almost said for you. It's not like you, you assigned me homework, but I did some homework. I watched. So I want to talk about that. Um, I'm in mourning today. Um, not, not like um, emotionally, but it's my, my, my basketball team lost. And they're down to say that on the, I know. on the previous podcast that was not recorded, which was actually just a Zoom call. As a as a pre-flight. That's what the people call it in, in, in our state. Is that what they call it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's part of the pre-flight. Um, yeah, the I, you know, I, I get emotionally attached to, to teams and my my Toronto Raptors are down three. Oh, oh, I thought you meant I thought you meant you got emotionally attached to the amazing, wonderful, oh. never disappointing Microsoft app teams. Oh no. And I was you, gonna say that doesn't seem right. No, Don, you know what I say, and, and I'm not gonna put the explicit tag on this episode today, <laughs> but but teams is dog poop. Dog poop, yes. It, that is my ongoing that that is it. It is dog poop, all things teams. It's, it's not, it's not good. Um, so yeah, I, uh, um, my, 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 my favorite basketball, NBA basketball team, sports ball team, the Toronto <laughs> Raptors, uh, we're, we're not supposed to do much this year. Then they made the playoffs and now they're getting smoked and it is difficult to watch. Um, That's tough. You know, if they just, if they just stayed, they just stayed crappy from the beginning. Nobody, they, but they got expectations up, right? Mine, no one else. I think, <laughs> and it is all about everyone me. else knew that they were crap. Yeah. 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 So, but it, it's a, I remember this feeling. Um, it, it, I, I have some like emotional cycle to, to, you know, my, my hometown teams. And so I, I, I remember 25 years ago when the Toronto Maple Leafs made the playoffs and they were good for a while and they, they had promise this cycle of there was a game on. And so the, the pre-show day, right. All day of game day, I'm listening to sports talk radio. I'm reading everything. I'm, I know all the stuff that could happen in the game and then I'm invested in the game. And if they win, it's, it's a, it's a fantastic day the next day because the next day is revisiting the win. And it, and it goes in a cycle, right? From game to game, these series are best of seven. So, so you're at least got at least four of these days 
um, if you're, if, if my team makes the the playoffs and today was, it, it is, I, I, I'm not, it's just sad because it was a, a bad law. It was an overtime loss. And, uh, so, so anyway, there was, uh, yeah. It, it, well, it and as, as someone who does not follow sports ball, uh, I, I don't have the highs and I don't have the lows. Right. So, right. Well, which is, and, which is just fine with me. Yeah. Well, and, and increasingly this is, uh, this is more about me because Don, you're, you're my therapist for free as always. <laughs> um, I incre- increasingly, there are different things. You remember last, last episode, we talked about how I, how I cry at, at Netflix shows now. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So, but this is another one where they're, they're you know, you're my, my emotions, it's different emotions over time. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this is still one of those things that I, I have had the same type of emotions for my entire not my entire life, but as long as I've remembered watching sports, I still get the same highs and lows. Like it's not, it's not, um, it hasn't changed. It hasn't depleted. The only thing that's different now is watching with my kids because they are experiencing it. I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but um, back before there was a pandemic, <laughs> if we can remember those remember, times, I don't remember that time. Uh, well, um, I, we used to go to sports events in person and, um, and my, my team, my hockey team, the Toronto Maple Leafs made the playoffs for the first time in, I think it was like 10 years or, or something like that, 11 years. And they played, um, their first playoff game in Washington, in Washington, DC, against the Washington Capitals. And so you and I have a friend, um, Michael Bazzacco, who lives in Washington, mm-hmm. who, well, lives in the greater DC area. It doesn't live Jason, in, yeah. Yeah. He's not, uh, he doesn't have one of those license plates that says uh, um, population. Without representation. Yeah, taxation <laughs> without representation. Um, doesn't have, which I, I love the shade that that, that plate has. Um, but uh, he he's a big Capitals fan. And so, we, I, I, we, we got tickets to go watch this game together. And so it was me and my two kids and him and his friend from, from high school, I think who, who played, played hockey together and they, they still hang out or are very close. And it was a close game. The game went to overtime and overtime is uh, in, in hockey is, you know, next, next goal wins the game. Right. And we were on enemy turf right like we're Toronto Maple Leafs fans in Washington DC mm. and and there's you know you walk around during the the in between periods and and you you see 95% capitals fans and jerseys and and right. you know and and a couple of leafs fans every once in a while and you're high five them so anyway right um overtime happens uh the the leafs lose there's a goal uh you know one of these quick plays that you, you don't see it coming. And then all of a sudden the game is over and the, the cheer and everyone we're, we're sitting way, way up top and the building erupts and everyone mm. stands up except for me and my two kids. And, and I look at them and my, my youngest son, who's now 11 at the time, he was like seven, I guess, or six, maybe um, he like starts to tear up and I look at him and I'm like, yeah, this is what it's like. I'm sorry. Like I'm, I'm sorry mm-hmm, I've introduced mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. this to you. Um, that that you know maybe someday we'll experience this other thing that everyone else around us is experiencing. I clearly was not articulate like this, right? Um, right. Then, but I just it was like I shrugged and I was like, I'm, I yeah, I know it's I'm sorry, and it was an awesome like experience. 
Uh, but, but it was that that's been the difference, right. Is sharing this, this odd emotion with my kids. So, um, but yeah, it's something that hasn't really, I, I still feel the same way as I did 30 years ago around sports, which is, you know, different from other things that I'm experiencing in my life. So, yeah, but it's good. I mean, it's, it's good. I mean, I, I get why people like it. It's, I mean, it's just, it's, it's not for me, but yeah. I'm, you know, I, it's not, it's nice that people have a, a thing that they like to do and they can do it, you know? Yeah. And I live, I mean, I live with someone, my roommate, Danielle, uh, who I also happen to be married with, married with, married to, not married with, married with. Uh, <laughs> um, she, uh, she doesn't get it either. Like she's the, the only time that, that she gets really engaged in this. And I think it's similar from what you and I have talked about with, with Kristen is she really likes international competitions where Canada is represented. She's mm-hmm. all about the Olympics. And so for those two weeks, um, every couple of years, we, we, we jump right into it and she'll get emotionally tied up in that and then go, and, you know, it goes away. Mm-hmm. But I, I can find something like every weekend, whether it's a golf mm-hmm. tournament or, um, or hockey playoffs or, uh, the, I, I've started, I haven't. So one thing on my list to talk to you about what I'm trying to get into, but I can't seem to get into yet is F1 racing because lots of people are into this. Hmm. Um, but there's a Netflix show called, I don't know, behind the speed or something. Um, Netflix F1, um, drive Drive to survive, survive. (laughs) but I, behind the speed's also a good title, right? (laughs) Uh, so I I watched a couple episodes of this, um, this week and I, I'm trying to get into it because it's all the stories behind it, but I just haven't gotten there yet. So I don't know if I'm ever going to like, I, this might be one where I watch the documentary about the sport and I never once watched the sport, mm-hmm. but people are really into formula one. <laughs> okay. If, I, if you say so, I, I don't, you know, I've, I sort of like, I, you know, again, I I'm talking about sports here. So, you know, my, 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 my lovely wife is more into sports than I am, but she likes, you know, Olympic sports. So track and field or figure skating, you know, uh, summer Olympics, Olympics, winter Olympics. Um, I can sort of get the idea, like, you know, I played lacrosse as a kid. I played hockey as a kid. Um, you know, I was, I was fencing, I fenced in high school and college. So I get, I get that. And, and I can, I can watch fencing, you know, during the Olympics if they ever show it and that's fun. And I can watch hockey and it's fun. I really don't understand driving cars around a, right. around on a track. It does not make sense to me um, either. And it's, and it's, it pollutes and it's noisy and, you know, the fans, the fans are, you know, let's just say we're not politically aligned. Um, let's I think, go Brandon. <laughs> I think that's, I think you're thinking of NASCAR. And Formula oh, and One Formula One is different. It's okay. different. It is. It's the it's the European version. It's more refined. Okay. Um, well, I I there I did go through a phase as a kid when I was sort of into that, like Mario Andretti. Like he's a, he's right. a guy, right? That yeah. races cars, right? Um, yeah, I think so. I don't remember what kind of cars, but you know, I think, but th- I, that was a thing that I was into. Indianapolis Five Hundred. That's a that's a thing, right? Yeah. That's, a, that's not NASCAR, right? No, that's um, something else. Yeah. This is this is great, but I think Mario Andretti <laughs> is a. I think he he was. I think he was a. Uh, I think that was Formula One. I, okay, well there you go. See, open I, I, wheel did, racing. I, do, I, I I do know something about Mario Andretti. I mean, I do know something about Formula One. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah he oh, did, he's, he's still alive. He's eighty-two. Never crashed. Never, never, uh, never crashed, crashed and died. Never crashed. <laughs> he, he probably crashed. He never crashed and died. Yeah, which is good because that sometimes that does happen. It's good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, open wheel racing, and and so actually, we should have Michael Bazzacco on because I know he's a big fan of this. Um, and I've because I've been places with him where he's had to get up at you know and watch the race in Monte Carlo, right? Like mm-hmm. at, he's at four o'clock in the morning. And he's like, well, the race is coming on. And wait, I so so wait. This is really this is really interesting. So Mario Andretti is one of only two drivers reading from Wikipedia now, which is the thing that we do on podcasts. To never to crash one, and die. To, to, <laughs> no, to have won races in Formula One, IndyCar, the World Sports Car Championship. That seems made up. And NASCAR. And NASCAR. He yeah. also won races in midget car racing and sprint car racing. He's fat. This guy. This guy's a fast driver. He yeah. is. IndyCar is the is like the American open wheel racing that's like formula one we used to have an indie that's the indianapolis 500 uh, yeah not okay. the daytona 500 which is nascar which i can't also can't get into right um what well, and I, I i i should say this i'm i still i actually can't get into formula one either it hasn't <laughs> it hasn't hit but people keep telling me many people are saying don that it's very exciting <laughs> uh I got like my neighbor is really into it. He said he only got into it because he started watching this Netflix um, series. So I, I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to invest in this. I'm, I, I already have I, invested two episodes. I'm, I'm going to, it going. seems, it seems like you are probably busy enough. That's what I don't understand. <laughs> right. You're a department head. You have two kids. You're a hockey coach. Your kids play uh, other sports in the off season, which you don't have to coach, but you still have to schlep them to, to game games and stuff. I don't think you need another thing. I think, <laughs> but I, like, I think your life is full. Don, I like things. If I had more things, I would not edit podcasts even you, you, longer. You, you, you like to go. You like to go. You like grocery shopping so much. You go to different stores on purpose. On purpose. I like. I like th- things. Things are. I'm into things. <clears throat> um, and 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 I'm I'm look I'm. You know what it what it really is is I I am always looking for the next thing that I might be in really that I might really enjoy, and uh, and this is this this is one that people have said that uh, that they think I might enjoy. Um, so I don't know. We'll we'll see okay. if it, we'll see how far it goes. Well, you know you know something that I can <laughs> I tell you about something I like yeah um, yeah go something ahead. something that I like uh, which is not on next Netflix uh, which is television which we have been enjoying very much um, is a new show uh, which is on Apple TV it's not it's not Severance which is the one oh. that everybody is talking about yeah. um, but uh, which we, we might get to, into at some point but you know this is right in our wheelhouse as we say um, it's called Slow Horses and Slow. it is it is okay. British and it is about spies and oh. it's on apple tv plus and it's really good huh. it's really really good um, oh, i like these people yeah i like yeah. gary oldman yeah he's great i like kristen scott thomas these yeah these, yeah okay i don't know this one um it's, and it, it's good it'll, it'll and ju- well it just dropped on april 1st yeah. so you can catch up real quick i just added um it. yeah it's um it well i mean it's yeah, it's good. I mean, it's uh, yeah, I, I, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, okay, we, all right, we, we, we are really enjoying it. So, this is one that maybe Danny would be this seems like one that Danny would really like. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, good. All right, there, there you go. I've added something new. So, can I? I did, I did homework for you. Mm. Uh, I mentioned I watched this morning, um, the episode of Pie in the Sky. <laughs> 
uh, entitled Coddled Eggs. And, uh, and, and so um, this is, I found, I found a link. I didn't have to subscribe to this. Let me okay, cool. drop a, there's a freebie link for this. Um, okay, cool. That, that, yeah, that I found. Gosh, where is it? Um, uh, anyway, it was, uh, it was really funny. So people should watch this because it is a, um, I don't know the premise. There's like, and let me, you could tell me more about Pine oh, Sky, which I think yeah, you told sure. me before. There's, yep. there's a guy who looks like a, just an old grumpy British man who's a, let's see, appears to be a detective. And then somewhat, somehow linked to this is a restaurant where there are three other people. And, and, and I have now, I've watched nothing else other than the part where I fast forwarded to the health inspector. Okay. Talking to the three other people. Now, what I think is happening is that the guy, <laughs> the guy who who is grumpy who's the detective um is is also the guy who runs the restaurant am i getting that right and he was away you, yes. that day. oh okay good so, yes you got it so this is yeah. so he is a he is a in the process of retiring detective who also owns a restaurant who is a very large man yeah. um and turns out actually he has some sort of a glandular condition like no joke like he had some, oh. some there's some physical problem which is why he is such a really really round man but um and he's just sort of He's very smart and he loves to eat food and he loves to have a restaurant and he's a pretty good cop too. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, and this one just, this, this one was interesting to me because of the, there, there are two different inspectors, uh, two different. And so of course the, he owns a restaurant. And so there's always, there's often sort of food safety related or, or restaurant related activity. There's always a B plot in the restaurant, right? There's the Bay plot, which is the crime and the B plot, which is the restaurant. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and so there's a health inspector that shows up in this episode. And then, and then at the end, there's a different health inspector that shows up, but I'm just, I was just, you know, it's like, uh, is it is it a, a busman's holiday or what's the the, the 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 plumber problem? Anyway, what's the? There's a name for a thing where you're you're an expert at a thing, and then you watch a show about oh, that yeah. thing, and you're like, oh, that's not how it is. Like, yeah, what, yeah. With, with the, the the show the show with uh, the lady from Killing Eve that was a that's a that's a college professor, an English professor that was like, okay, well, that's I guess that's sort of like academia, but anyway, right? The chair, the chair, the chair, yes, yeah. Um, so, okay. I want you, I want our listeners to go to the timestamp of six forty. uh, sorry, se um, seven minutes in okay. this, in this, uh, link this that we just put in okay. because, yep. so we've got the, we've got the grumpy man and then it goes back to the health inspector and the health inspector. This is the second sort of piece. Um, she's walking around and it's so dramatic. She's pointing at things. She's, they're talking about, um, bleach and what they use to clean their their um uh, their uh, th th um, three compartment sink but then there's like a dramatic pause there's music she moves something and she finds just a bunch of dirt and she says mm -hmm. this is where dirty food can get you in trouble or something like that or can can be captured right and right. and then and they look at each other and it was yeah, what what's this? It, uh, it it's just phenomenal, but the music, everything about it, is so so hilarious. Um, so I did I checked it out. I didn't get to the end where there was a second uh, health inspector, but maybe that'll that that I, I will look up later. But in this episode, there is an appearance of um, uh, of someone who I know from uh, Downton Abbey, uh, oh. Miss, Mrs. Hughes. 
Phyllis Logan is the actress's name. And uh, as I was fast forwarding, I was like, wait, she looks really familiar. And uh, it turns out it is her. She is, um, where is this? Detective uh, Superintendent Chalmers. Yes, Detective Superintendent Chalmers in the episode Cuddled Eggs. Uh, and, uh, and, and I, I just, the, the, the way she pronounced things, her accent, I was like, I know, I know her. So yeah, a little Easter egg for those who are, are listening. Mrs. Hughes appears in this episode of, uh, of Pie in the Sky, uh, coddled, coddled eggs. So, so anyway, I watched that. And then I sent you two links that will also include in show notes. Um, my, my kids have been really into Bob's burgers and I, admittedly, mm-hmm. I'm not a cartoon kind of, kind of guy. Um, but Bob's burgers is funny. It is like, it's, it's very clever. It's and probably wildly inappropriate for my kids ages. Um, just the, the jokes are, are quite, quite mature. Um, but, uh, there's, uh, Hugo, the health inspector shows up uh, in multiple episodes and in one episode wants Bob to go undercover uh, and wear a wire. And so anyway, I dropped a couple of links into that because every, every time, Hugo like exists in an episode. Um, Sam, my my youngest, is like, "Hey, the health inspector's here," and he makes me watch it. So anyway, Hugo, good. Like we we probably could do an entire episode of like health inspectors being played in pop culture and deconstructing all of them, which which oh, might yeah. be which might be fun. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, and and oh, and for people that don't know, so Richard. Uh, Griffiths, who stars in uh, Coddled Eggs, he's probably best known. Uh, people have probably seen him in as Vernon Dursley in Harry Potter, so, right? So that's where you you probably, if he looks familiar to you, that's probably where you where you know him from. So yep. yeah, and I just thought <clears throat> the portrayal of the health inspector yeah. in the show was just a little bit over the like. The health inspectors are not really like that, right? No. Um, yeah, and so and again, spoiler spoiler alert for a show that came out in 1997. Um, at the end, that that health inspector gets reassigned, and they have a much more normal health inspector <laughs> at uh, the end. So, well, um, but it's yeah, it's just it's, I, you know, I guess the health inspectors are not really like that. So my my favorite part was um, about timestamp five minutes, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh no, it's a little earlier than that. Let me go find this. Some sometime in the first five minutes, where the health inspector asks to see everyone's hands, and like yes, a health inspector, exactly. be like, exactly. okay, now, 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 okay, you show me the back of your hands. Now show me the the front of your hands. Show me the palms. Okay, okay good. Check. I, and she writes something down, right? Like visual, yeah. visual hands look good. Um, you know, the, but if hands did not look good, then then your your grade would be affected by this well and there, and there's a big joke where she 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 wants to look at the the cop's hands and of course he doesn't want to show her his hands and his fingers are dirty fingernails are dirty or something right. like that right 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 well he's a cop he's out there doing cop things he's out there doing cop things yeah exactly oh and the best the best thing is the scene this that show uh the, that episode opens uh with a with a shot of a, a restaurant called chucky chicken um which actually apparently does give people food again spoiler alert for a show that came out in 19 uh somebody gets sick from eating at chucky e. chicken probably does now does uh pie is that his name i assume no. pie in the sky is like it's J- james s pie uh, is the detective no <laughs> no henry henry is his name uh-huh. uh henry crab oh cra- yes crab c-r-a-b-b-e oh yeah henry mr crab mr crab yeah. mr crab does that uh yes. which is a, a word it's a, something that was uttered a few times 
a few times. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but does he uh, does he investigate the food the food poisoning? Was it, is it a crime? No, it, it's not. Oh. A, it's not, it's just again, it's a B a B plot. I think oh. it's been it's been a while. We've seen several episodes since then, so they're they're kind of you know they're what a, what's the what's the the term uh, cozy mystery? It's a cozy mystery. A cozy mystery. I've not heard that term, but I that ring that I understand. I understand what that means. Yeah. Well, all right. So we did we did that. Um, I did that. Uh, there's there's a bunch of other stuff going on um today but then we have some follow-up do you want to should we talk a little bit about follow-up and then go do some new stuff yeah let's do it okay um so um all right let me let's do did we talk about we talked about the pickled onions didn't we did that okay, let's not talk about that one because i think we did a risky or not episode on that there's I'm all right sorry I'm, I'm, I'm no it's all right i'm looking i'm I'm really just talking to myself at this point um oh so one thing okay so this came to us from uh deep canadian um deep canadian writes enjoying your podcast they give me new perspectives on food safety issues and got me hooked on using my instant read thermometer great thank you very much for that um, I was a bit concerned that federal health agencies in Canada perhaps were dropping the ball on recalls and alerts in COVID times during your discussions about frozen corn salmonella outbreak in Western Canada in FST 256. But woo, my Google search revealed this site. And so there was um, a pretty nice link, and we'll I'll link to this in show notes, um, about sort of the uh, uh, you know public health notice about these infections from canada.ca so we'll link to that but one thing that i wasn't aware of until deep canada emailed me about this is that there is also a recall uh advisory and safety alert database that um the government of canada runs similar to what fda and fsis runs and this is it's it's actually it's pretty good um, the reason why I like it, I'm, I'm going to link to this, uh, I'll, I'll send you this Don to take a look at, um, it's color coded. It talks about all of the different types of things that could be, um, recalled like a, an item, like an air fryer that, uh, is recalled due to potential fire hazard. Um, but then there's poppy seeds, you know, they, they have little icons to tell you, is it drug or medicine related? Is it car related? Is it a product related or is it food related? And I thought that was kind of kind of cool because then you can sort by those um, if you want. But this, so it's it's a little bit different and nicer than what FDA and FSIS do because it's all in one spot. It's like all of the things in Canada that could have health alerts or recalls on them are all in one spot. Well, when you that's when you have a single food safety agency, you can do that. <laughs> Yeah, true. Right. Well, we're, yeah, and we're going to come back to that, um, it, you know, at some point here. But, but I think for them, they have, they don't have a, a single food safety, like they have a single food safety agency, but they also have multiple. Like they, that food safety agency doesn't also do cars, but they use this same database for like car recalls as well. Like if yeah, you have a he, recall, yeah, and it, do it all ahead, in one spot. 
No, that's it. Yeah, and 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 if you, it is sort of nice color coded, and they have uh, like one of the icons is a shopping cart, right? Um, but that shopping cart indicates like air, air fryers, uh, microbial contamination in hand soap, uh, portable baby uh, uh, tent playpen with basketball hoop. You know, so yeah, in, interesting. Yeah. Um. So this one's really really interesting. Okay. So speaking of which um that uh as as i was looking at this the the that recall for um microbial um sorry what is this one hand soap one esca tech d lead hand soap recall due to potential for microbial contamination and i thought oh that's right up our alley right but then i looked at it and it was not um some of the recall products may have the potential to spoil if exposed to an external source of microbial contamination due to a manufacturing issue. No illnesses or anything, but it doesn't tell us like exactly what's in it. it you know, are there pathogens in it or is it just spoilage microbes? And, and what does spoilage microbes do? What do they do in the, in hand soap? Um, so, well, anyway. yeah, and and we'll. If that's interesting, yeah, and uh, we can. I was just talking with uh, my good friends at Gojo the other day about bulk soap again, uh, because that is an issue that we still have not solved. But this is this is different. This is not um, a contaminated bulk soap dispenser. This looks like yeah, again, just a manufacturing problem uh, where yeah, the product has been contaminated. And yeah, you know, the thing the thing with with soap, and I'm not I'm not an expert in microbial contamination of soap, although we have done some research on it is depending upon whether it has any preservatives in in the product, um, it, bacteria can grow uh, in that in that soap. Now this but again, that's typically in in soaps that maybe are diluted because people are trying to save money. But uh, yeah, this yeah, it's a it's it's a nice website. It's telling you this thing is recalled. But I would I am as a microbiologist, I'm looking for a little bit more information. I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so we talked about Prime Sky. Okay, so there's a few other I think things going on that I wanted to talk to you about today. Yes. One is Lucky Charms. Oh yes. So we've talked. We and we'll, we'll go back and link to this. We talked in an episode a while ago um about lucky charms about this this situation so um lucky charms is, is over the last couple of weeks has made a bunch of headlines um because there are reports of illnesses and it's interesting types of illnesses so the you know wall street journal I'll, I'll, this just came out yesterday i'll, I'll we'll link to this there was a washington post article about this, um, it popped up in Associated Press. I saw it all through Apple News, but um, it's it's kind of like a weird situation. So people are are appear to be experiencing um, nausea and vomiting and diarrhea. In some cases, you can find lots of reports and um, of like green diarrhea, right? Because mm -hmm. Lucky Charms, some of some of the marshmallows are green. Um, and there's a like, but, but there's not a lot of information about what's about what's happening. And as of a couple of days ago, and actually here we'll link to the New York Times article, FDA is now aware of this, and they're doing some sort of an investigation. 
but but this isn't it doesn't feel like a foodborne illness outbreak um so right. i was it's, it's not it's not it's it's not microbiological, right? Like for right. sure, the the onset time is too short. So whatever whatever the reaction is that people are having, it is to some sort of a chemical agent. If if it well, if it's real, and I I don't know, there's where there's smoke, there's fire, right? I mean, the 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 time between ingestion of the cereal and symptoms is short enough that it is that it is not microbiological. There is it is some sort of an allergic or uh, you know chemical poison, you know, allergy reaction. Right. 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 And it's, so, um, we're, you know, uh, stomach cramps and diarrhea for a couple of days. I just, I just linked to the, I was poison.com. Um, mm-hmm. and you can do a query for lucky charms. And as of a couple of days ago, and this is in the, I, I was, I talked to Patrick Quaid a little bit about this, but mm-hmm. it's reported in the New York Times, so it's all public. He had over 3,000 reports. Um, and there's some really interesting stuff on this because, and I, I, I agree, I think that this is, um, he, there's a signal here, right? Like Patrick's got a lot of data for a lot of, for, right. for years, and he has not seen a signal like quite like this before, right? So, so there's, there's noise, there's always going to be noise out there. And, and I, I thought that this was a really interesting one where he he's amassing, you know, from an epidemiological standpoint, you know, 3000 reports, how many of those meet the case definition, whatever the case definition becomes, we, right. we don't know yet, but the, it certainly to me says there's something worth looking at here, right? Like there's mm-hmm. more, there's more, there's more here than than what we're um, than, than 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 normal, right? Um, FDA said on Monday that it received more than 100 submissions related to Lucky Charms this year through its own reporting system, and so now they're 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 investigating. Uh, General Mills said that they haven't found any evidence of consumer illness linked to the consumption of Lucky Charms. Um, what you know, what, I'm not sure exactly what that. What, what that means there and other than there are reports here and we don't know what the what, what, again whether it's our product whether it's not our product whether it's a certain component of our product whether there's a common um you know piece or ingredient because from from what patrick shared and what's on i was poison.com it's not just normal everyday lucky charms cereal it's lucky charms bars and it's lucky charms just the the marshmallows and so to me it's like well, maybe it's just the marshmallows then. Um, but but there is a echo effect that could be happening here too, where people, you know, coincidentally felt bad and also consumed Lucky Charms five days ago or 10 days ago and are, are drawing that conclusion. The more reports you get, the more noise might be coming out, but hopefully the cleaner the signal is because it, it, might push some of that noise to the to the side. Um, how do you? Can I can I ask you a question? So yeah, how, I mean, <clears throat> obviously we're only looking. I mean, I, I'm just going to look on the General Mills website to see if they have anything, but I don't think that they do. Obviously, this spokesperson Andrea Andrea Williamson um, is making a um, a statement. You know, quote not found any evidence of consumer illness linked to consumption of Lucky Charms. Now, 
I guess my question to you is how do you how how well do you think they're doing at communication around this? Because it it sure seems to me like they're like nope nope nothing here no problems our lucky charms are just fine, you know. Yeah. Um. Well, oh, with the consu- the company takes consumer reports seriously. Food safety is our top priority. We encourage consumers to please share any concerns directly with General Mills. I. I don't know. It just seems. It just. I, I'm. I. I guess I'm looking for more. And and again, yes. this is why I have a job that I do, and I don't work for the the food industry, because um, I would probably say stuff I shouldn't say. But I. I don't know. I'm not. I. I don't. I don't. I'm not. I'm not getting. I, I'm just getting a no. No. Everything's fine here. Vibe from General Mills, which is probably not happening, right? Like we know people inside the company. I'm sure inside the company, people are really working hard to try to figure this out. But it's just like that you're never going to say, nobody who, nobody who is an official spokesperson for General Mills is ever going to say anything on the record that is going to be, you know, anything, but basically there's no problem until, until they say there's a problem, right? Right, right. Well, and <clears throat> I think this is a common theme of our, of our podcast, right, is um, saying, okay, yes, we we're aware, and food safety is our number one priority. Is gr- those are those are great words. They're they're without substance. And what I'm interested mm-hmm. in is is well, what does that mean? And so, in uh, you know TMZ, the always um, mm-hmm. you know correct the place where I get all of my food safety information. Um, they say General Mills says it's aware of the reports and claims an internal investigation found no evidence linking Lucky Charms to the reported illnesses. Well, what what does that what does that mean, right? Like, right. And and if let, let's go down this, and I've I've talked with a couple other folks, and I won't sort of name name their names, but you know, people that you would know in the world of food mm-hmm. safety. And if we had to guess, if we all had to guess at what this is, I'm I'm where you are, that there's some like reformulation or some, you know, uh, intolerance to mm-hmm. an ingredient, you know, that I don't know what the consumption rate of Lucky Charms is, but it's got to be a pretty popular cereal, right? Like, is it? Well, at least 3000 people, <laughs> at least 3000 people. Right. But I, do you think it's a million servings a day? Is that? I don't know. Like, is that? Again, and, that, that, and that's, that's proprietary information right. that General Mills is never going to tell us, but you could, you, yeah, I don't know. A lot of people, I don't know. You have to figure out how many people eat cereal every day and then how many different brands of cereal and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Well, yeah. let's say, okay, Don, let's say it was a hundred thousand. Let's be really conservative. A hundred thousand servings of Lucky Charms every day. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and this has been happening for a few months. Like we, we talked about this, this goes back to like, you know, I think before the holidays even. So let, let's say we've got 3000 illnesses over, you know, I don't know, 30 million exposures. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a pretty, it, that's not a lot, right? Like it doesn't, it's right. not, it's not for the, the amount of consumption that could be happening again, totally guessing. And um, one, one thing that, you know, could, could be happening here is, is some sort of intolerance that's, that's popping up. It could be some contamination. It could be, and I'm going to throw something in, in, in the, in, you know, weird here that I, cause this is a place where we did it. What we're looking at and talking about right here is the product, but what about the population has changed over the last, you know, I don't know, two years. Like, hmm. it, are, are, is it, I mean, it's possible. I don't know how likely it is, but, you know, we, we know that people deal with 
long COVID, there are issues related to taste and smell. Are there maybe receptor changes that have happened that someone who eats Lucky Charms every day now post COVID is having some sort of a, a reaction here? And there's nothing about the product that's changed. And again, wow. assuming there's nothing about the product, how would we even deal with that? Right? Like, like all of a sudden, and and I think about, I don't know if you're familiar with, um, there's a tick that when you're bitten by it causes you to have in some people an allergic reaction to red meat. Have you heard of this? I have. So the meat didn't change, right? This it's called the alpha gal syndrome. I'll we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll link to this in, um, but the person changed because of exposure right. to something else. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that's happening here. And cause, cause a lot has changed over the last two years. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's super interesting. I, I, yeah, I, I didn't even, didn't even occur to me, but it makes a lot of sense. And I, my, my speculation was, well, what if there's an ingredient that maybe they change the ingredient, but also that ingredient, that component of that ingredient or that, you know, whatever that, that, pieces there's some chemical and the concentration of that chemical varies over a range right and sometimes you get more and sometimes you get less maybe there's a problem with the mixing so that sometimes you know the blue stars get more of this whatever this thing is and then you cross-reference that with people who are sensitive and when those two windows line up oh we got some blue stars that have a lot of compound x and a sensitive person eats that then you have a reaction right um, but yeah, you're, but you know, some sort of pandemic, you know, COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2 induced uh, sense food sensitivity. Yeah, that could be, but why is it only lucky charms? Right, right. right exactly. It, so yeah, I mean, yeah, but yeah, you know, but here's the thing, like if I was, if I was in charge of food safety for general mills, I would on, on the luckycharms.com website, I would put somewhere, um, do you think that you have been made ill by Lucky Charms? Please fill this out and we'll get in touch with you. Right. Because, you know? and, and I would say, because food safety is our number one priority. Right. Right. <laughs> well, and, and, and probably they won't do that because they'll get spammed with a lot of people that just want free cereal. Right. But I, I don't know. I'm yeah. Yeah. I'm, well, I, 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 I would, I would like somebody with more expertise than me who actually works for the food industry to help me critique is General Mills responding appropriately to this or not? Because right. again, just my feeling is they're not. Well, and, and maybe they are doing things internally, but they're not really sharing that. But they're not, and, and there may be legal reasons why they're not, but I, I yeah, just, just something, I don't know, something feels off to me. Is it, yeah, well, so, and here's where we'll show our naivety or I'll show mine, but could I use like mass spec for, to find out what, type of compounds are in lucky charms and at what concentration to, and then, oh, you know, I don't know, to see if anything's changed. Like if I had older, I don't even know if we could, you'd have to go back in time to see, to compare, right? Like you, you, the, if you started doing some sort of toxicological screen, it would tell you what it is now, not what has maybe changed. Well, and it's like I get you and you may not get these calls, but I get these calls from people all the time saying, I have a food that made me sick. Where can I send it to have it tested? It's like, right. Well, it doesn't really work that way. Right. Because you, you can't send it to a lab and say, test this for 
and find and tell me the thing that's making me sick, right? You have to, you say, okay, well, I'm going to run a test for X and I'm going to run a test for Y and a test for Z. And each of those tests costs a hundred bucks and requires 25 grams. Yeah, right, right. right. And you don't, you don't. And so that's not the way you don't have either. Of those probably, yeah, you don't. Yeah. Have, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Well, I, did I talk about, we, I, we had the, the, our water tested here for lead. Did I, did I talk no. about that? No, no, oh, no, yeah. Yeah. We'll, I'll put a pin in that. We'll come back to circle All back right. to Don's, Don's lead testing, but, and also poor, poor uh, risk, risk communication. But uh, yeah. So um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I really, I really hope that the, that we get another shoe drop on this and we actually learn what's, well, here's the thing. If it's, if it's just fake and it's not really anything happening, then we'll just never know. But I really, I, I do, I do want to hear more from what FDA is doing. And I want to hear more from what the company is doing. And maybe all of that will come out at some point, or maybe it won't. Right, right, right. Right. It, and I don't know. We, I know we talked about this a couple of um, years ago and I linked to this. There was a whole bunch around Soylent, right? And there was like, do you remember, do you remember this? Yes. yes. And then there was a Soylent like change in the, in the, um, in their formulation, it was like Soylent 2.0 and it led to a whole bunch of diarrhea in people. I think, I think our friend mm -hmm. Max asked us about this to talk about it on the, on the podcast. And there was, again, some sort of reformulation and uh, with, or, uh, or the addition of, of a, a compound that had not been used before. Now I think that's different because Lucky Charms, it's a, I would say a pretty well-established brand with some consistency, right? Like Lucky Charms tastes like Lucky Charms. It's, it's all the same kind of, you know, the, on purpose, every, every bowl of Lucky Charms should taste the same um, without sort of reformulation that 10 years ago should taste like it did. A, you know, if it tasted like this 10 years ago, it should still taste like that today. But, but who knows? What are the, like, I, I, I'm with you. I think from a communication standpoint, I just want to know more. Like, what, what does it mean when you say you're looking at things internally and you found no link? Well, what were the links that you were looking for? What, 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 how, how did you investigate this? What are you yeah. doing? Are you, yeah. yeah. What, yeah. Yeah. What, uh, what are you testing? Are you, are you testing, you know, the packaging, right? Right. Uh, right. You know, do you, have you obtained product from people? What are the kind of tests you're running? Right. If, of, of these 3000 people that are reporting on, I was How many of them have you talked to? Right. Where are they located? Is it geographic? Is it related to one plant? Is it a whole bunch of different plants? Right. How many, how many plants do make Lucky Charms? How many, right. how many are uh, owned by you and how many are co-packers? Yep. Um, where do you get your ingredients from? Um, wh what are all the ingredients in Lucky Charms? <laughs> right. All of this. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, which a lot of that's knowable and some of it's not. And some of it is probably confidential, but you know, whatever. I just, I just feel like I'm being, you know, it's, I just feel like I'm being stonewalled then. Right. Right. Well, and, and I, and I think, you know, that's, I think we are, um, you know, maybe, maybe not on purpose, but that, that it's, it's a, well, maybe this will, maybe this will go away kind of thing. It's interesting to me that all of a sudden FDA is involved, right? They've had a hundred reports. So now they're, they're getting, they're getting mobilized. Yeah, well, um, and that's good, right? Like, I, I, I don't want to say finally FDA is involved, but I mean, there, there's enough of a signal here, you know, and I'm sure, I'm sure that not all of those um, reports on iwaspoison.com are legitimate, but some of them probably are, right? This is not, right. this is not something people are just making up, right? I mean, at least some of the people are not making it up. 
Yep. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's something, yeah, there's something, something here. So I just want to close the loop on Soylent. Um, uh, <laughs> this is a Reddit post. Uh, the headline of the post is new to Soylent, comma, does the diarrhea stop? Question <laughs> mark. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. Um, the, Which I think is uh, probably the best type title of a Reddit post ever. The, the one that I that I got was from a blog called The Everywhereist, an award-winning cry for help. And the uh, blog post is, I tried Soylent, it didn't go well. And about two thirds of the way down, there's some really great like gifts of um, what this person's poop felt like and looked like. Uh -huh. um, uh, you know, it isn't that bad. I could do this for a week, finish bottle, run to bathroom. This probably is just my body releasing toxins or something. Lots of toxins. Oh my God, so many toxins. Okay, did some research <sighs> online. Apparently Soylent doesn't relieve you of toxins. And the thing that I'm actually experiencing is commonly known as explosive diarrhea. I think it's over. <laughs> nope, I live in the toilet now. Help me. That was all of the things that happened in between 9.50 a.m. and 1.16 p.m. Oh, oh um, gosh. So yeah, uh, and then there's a lot of uh, good comments uh, in, in here. But yeah, anyway, there's, I'm, I'm with you, right? Like there's something there, there, there's something here or, or there's, or there's not, but there's not enough information to say that there's not right yet. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, okay. So it's, I wanted, I, I, there's something I wanted to come back to on Abbott, La, uh, Abbott labs. So, you know, I've, I've been in, I mentioned on the podcast, I've been in contact a couple of times with them about just their communications around this infant formula linked um, uh, outbreak. And we talked about, um, you know, th this with, with Bill Marler a little bit. This is the chronobacter Sakazakii. And mm -hmm. so one thing, I, it's been interesting. Like, I feel like, I, and I want to talk about another debate that I had yesterday. I feel like I've been debating things a lot, or maybe not, debating is not the right maybe not the right term, but we've been having discussions where there are a couple of different viewpoints. And so one of the things that, that I shared um, with, with Abbott Labs is like, you know, our history of chronobacter illnesses has almost always in, in the world of food safety been linked to infant formula. So it's not surprising that infant formula is, is being pointed to as the, the source here. And the issues that we've had in the past have been infant formula um, uh, contamination at a manufacturing facility, right? And so we talked to to Marler a little bit about this, the difference between the civil and criminal cases, and he he, he gave us a turns out, right? Like he thought that the right. the the civil case is is maybe not going to go anywhere if there are any, because of the. It, it's a, it's a small group of, um, of individuals. And, and there are a couple of things that are interesting here where the illnesses, and I'll, I'll give you a link to the update on this. Um, let me see if I can find it. Ba basically, there were a bunch of um, uh, isolates found in the environment at Abbott, and none of them are the same as right. the, um, the outbreak strain. And they're not even, right. the other thing that's a little bit interesting here is that the the two um there are only of the four people that were four infants that were sick only two isolates have have been um provided to cdc from those and those two isolates are not 
closely related. So to each other, to each other, or to, or to the ones found in the plant. Correct. Right. So it's that that part, right? Like you, you've got this more home run kind of look at this outbreak if all of these things link up, right? right. And Bill talked about this, like not having the outbreak strain in the plant doesn't really matter in many cases that he's been part of because the pathogens there, but in like in my discussions with Abbott, they brought up, and again, this is where I think the conversation we predicted it would kind of go, but they sort of highlighted, and I'll, I'll link to a couple of things that um, there are some, um, uh, let me find this. There are a couple of papers showing Chronobacter in home kitchens. And hmm. so how do we know, right? How does anybody know that this contamination didn't happen in home kitchens or in someone's kitchen? So here's a Journal of Food Protection article from 2012. And you'll you'll certainly recognize at least one of the, the names in um in, in this. Um, in this article, Sandy uh, Godwin. Godwin, yeah. Prevalence and antimicrobial resistance of Chronobacter sakazaki isolated from domestic kitchens in Middle Tennessee, United States. So this, I thought that this is really interesting. C. sakazaki was recovered from 26.9% of domestic kitchens visited. That's oh. higher than I thought, right? Yeah. Like going, going into this. Um, total of 234 contact sites, in 78 domestic kitchens were tested. Consumers used dishcloths and cleaning sponges were also tested. And so in those kitchens, and I, and I think that dishcloths, if I remember correctly, hopefully I'm not confounding this with some other things that I answered this week, but dishcloths seem to be a, a, a common source here um, for this. So it, it's, it's not, it, you know, I don't know if there's any like, there's no winners or losers in outbreaks, especially ones where, um, where there's deaths and, and infants are involved, but it's, it's muddy, right? Like this, this, this is, if, if there was the, if there was the outbreak strain, well, and here's the, the question, do we even have an outbreak strain if we've got four cases and only two isolates from those four cases and both of them are not linked? Are we are we actually looking at sporadic cases of right? Uh, you know, and so anyway, it's it's been interesting to have conversations ongoing with Abbott on this, mm-hmm. and I I'm, I also am like not I don't know I'm not I'm not convinced of anything at this point anywhere mm-hmm. um, on it, but but I did you know we the, I thought it was interesting. It's like well, what about what about this? What about there's quite a bit in kitchens. Do we know for sure that it wasn't? contaminated in kitchens like no but the history of this pathogen certainly is pointed to infant formula linked illnesses yeah and so i'm just looking at the goblin article right now um so the breakdown of where they got the positives 44 percent came from sinks not surprising Six. yeah uh, ca- uh countertops 20 percent dishcloths 16 percent refrigerator handles 12 meat drawers four and sponges four so i'm surprised that sponges is so low but sinks is certainly very high uh and dishcloths is you know somewhere in the middle there in terms of the positives but i would be yeah i would be very interested to have these all sequenced um and and then yeah to see how they end back in 2012 it was a lot harder to do that right but i'm yeah i'm i'm really i'm really interested by, by all yeah this. 
anyway, like the this is one where like the the plot thickens, I guess maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I mean, regardless, and this is something that I need to talk to Abbott about finding all those environmental samples. And this is a question that they weren't able to answer um, when I asked. Like so. And, and I understand why, right? And I'm going to lay it out for you here because I think we talked a little bit about this with Bill, but maybe not as, as as specific as this. So FDA finds a whole bunch of environmental samples and you find a whole bunch of environmental samples that are positive. Is this unique or is this common, right? And if it's unique, well, well does that point to you as, as maybe being the source of this more likely? Because it doesn't happen all the time. And if it's common, damn, I didn't realize how much chronobacter might be in environments in infant formula processing facilities. And that seems like a whole other problem, right? And and I understand why they didn't answer that question because there, it's a, you know, it, it's a, it, it's maybe a lose-lose situation for them. Yeah. But, but I, I mean, again, as per our earlier conversations, say, exactly. I, I, you know, w- w- if I was making infant formula, I would be really, really worried about my testing program and make sure that I had a really locked down testing program to find and eliminate chronobacter if it ever showed up. Right. And it didn't, didn't seem like that's what they, they had. Right. And again, we, we talked about, you know, what, why did FDA not take action sooner? And I think there's some of those questions are still out there. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and all like all of that. So I'm going to drop something else in here um, for your consumption. So as part of these conversations, actually, this came out of our um, conversation um, on the podcast uh, back Mm -hmm. in in March, Um, our our friend uh, Matt Stasewitz um, reached out. The Shevitz. Do I say? The Shevitz. No, it's the Shevig. I got to. Yeah. The Shevig. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Matt, Matt Stasewich. Matt, no, Matt S. Matt S. Matt, Let's not say Matt. it wrong. Matthew. Okay. I haven't, is it, he told me, he said, he, well, I don't know. I don't know. Matt, don't call me Matthew. Matthew, don't call me I don't Matt. know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But we, anyway, we love you, Matt. <laughs> um, yeah, and, 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 and your, and your, and your darling name. child, your darling child, who also has your has, name and one of our onesies. our onesies, yeah. But anyway, Matt, Matt said, "Hey, I, I heard about this. Um, we have a project with I, Iamphus, 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 and so." So interesting, interesting, interesting intersection. I am now part of that organization. I actually sit on their board. Uh, it's a recent thing. Um, this is the the organization formerly known as, as LC North America. LC North America, yeah. right? Which is a lot easier to say. Um, and you got a and, guy there. And they, What's that? Yeah. And, and I found out about this project. I didn't know that they had funded this project, but I found out about it yesterday when I was on a call. So oh. yeah. Well, so, so that's very cool. I know, I know a guy um, from IAFINS, uh-huh. uh, director of membership development, um, Jacob Tra- Traverse, Traverse. Oh. He's, he's a, uh, he's a graduate of my, my institution here. And oh, okay. he lives, he lives here in Durham. Um, and so I know, I know of, I know we met recently and, and we, we talked about, um, getting more involved. Um, but all that being said, 
Matt's got this really cool um, project with uh, Mino Kim looking at uh, simulating powder product sampling to improve food safety sampling plants. And so he reached out to say, hey, you talked about Abbott and you said you got a contact there. Can I get in contact with them? And I put them in contact and it looks like they're going to work together. We're matchmaking, Don, for, cool. for the better of food safety, uh, hopefully. Very cool. Um, cool. But but it so but it comes down to and I, I don't want to leave this point too quickly because I I think you 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 hit it with your comments. The more that get shared about what the normal operating procedures and um, I guess expected results of environmental sampling or product sampling in infant formula is part of the the picture here, right? Like we 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 have a snapshot from an FDA 483. Abbott Labs have has multiple snapshots from whatever their sampling program looks like. And, and it's not, there's a, um, we are, what, what's the term you use? We're, we're stonewalled. <laughs> and we're in right. the, right? Like we, we don't have the ability and who are we, right? We just run a podcast um, that we- <laughs> Don't like, even do that that well. <laughs> and we, we, right, right, right. But, but I mean, the um, inquiring minds wanna know uh, interested parties are, are interested in just how, what, what does the sampling program look like and how unique is it to find wh- whatever five or six, um, environmental samples in a snapshot? Is that, does that happen every week? Does that happen? Never. Uh, that seems is it, like it shouldn't between? happen that often? It seems like it, but, but I mean, I was that I'll tell you my, my thought on that changes a little bit when I look at Sandy Godwin's work, right? How common is, if you look for it, how common is it in, in homes? I wouldn't mm-hmm. like, if you, if, if we put another pathogen there, right? Like if, if we just went into, and let me pull that paper up again. Um, however many homes that Sandy went into, and I should, it's not just Sandy, Sandy and, and the team, um, they looked at uh, 234 contact sites in 78 kitchens. 78 kitchens, right. If you, went, if you did 234 contact sites in 78 kitchens and look for salmonella, would, would you expect to find it in 27% of the kitchens? I would say no. No, no. And, that, and Chuck Herb has probably done this, right, uh, <laughs> already. And I'm sure we can find, we can find it. And it, yes. no, it's not, it's not that common. What is probably that common would be coliforms, right? Right. Um, so, and, and again, Cronobacter is the kind of thing where it is not that dangerous an organism, unless you are an infant and you are getting high doses, I believe. Yep. Yes, right? yes. So it is. So it's a, you know, it's it's kind of a, yeah. It's it's a it's sort of it's sort of like with opportunity. It's sort. Of, I don't want to say it's an opportunistic pathogen, but it's sort of in that genre, right? Like it needs to be a susceptible person, and they need to get a pretty high dose, and then it's it's not good, right? So yeah, which yeah. makes it, I mean, really important in an infant formula facility, right? Right. Like, right. That, that, like that's so. So would I? would I expect to see 27% of infant formula facilities testing positive or what and beaten testing positive, such a, such a pandemic term, um, having chronobacter isolated from the environment. No, I would not expect that, but is it once a week that it happens? And, and the more important part is, okay, so you find it, what do you do about it? Right? Like, and, and that, and, and how often you find it, how often are you trying to find what it, what it was? And, and I think Abbott, you know, maybe at some point they'll want to come on and talk about this with us. 
Um, and I feel like I'm this intermediate, I'm the, I'm the Abbott whisperer at this point, um, where, where I talk to them every once in a while. And then I tell you what they said and I tell them what you, what I asked them, which is a weird spot. It still continues to be a weird spot to be in, but I don't feel like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not, uh, up in, in big infant formula. Uh, I'm not a shill. Uh, but, but it is, it's interesting to talk every once in a while about this with them, but they should come talk about it here. Cause I want to know the yeah. answers to that. Right. Yeah. Like here are the things be prepared to talk about what your environmental sample program is. How often do you find it? What do you do about it? And, and have you ever done whole genome sequencing on that? Mm-hmm. Where are those isolates? Are we, because maybe some of the illnesses are linked to that. I don't know. Who knows? It's, it's, it, this, um, it's a mess. Anyway, hi, hi to Matt, our friend, Matt. Um, so cool. All right. Yeah. I, I thought, I thought it would be more useful information. So I'm looking, I'm looking in the, um, uh, to try to get the answer to the question, um, how common is this? Um, and I'm not really, not really finding anything terribly useful, right? Like there's one, there's a paper from Korea where they went out and sampled infant foods, but those are not foods that come, we commonly consume right. in this country. Right. Um, and there was a there was another paper I found about kitchens again, which mm-hmm. is not the same, but it was in Italy, I think. Right. Uh, yeah, where it was about the same same amount. So it's it's more common in the environment. Oh yeah, this was in sponges. This is what see I did confound this. Okay. Yeah. There was a whole bunch of sponges that were um, and that I I remembered looking this up and yeah. So this was um. 20% of the, sorry, no, no, 14.6% of the sponges yielded, yielded Cornobacter sakazakii. Okay. And this was from 100 in-use kitchen sponges. In-use sponges. Yeah. yeah. So it was in the same ballpark, right? 20. Yeah. Yeah. But what I'm really interested in is if you go out to the marketplace and you sample infant right. foods, how often do you find it? And I, I've got to imagine it's not that common, right? Right, right, right. But, yeah. but I, but I'm not able to put my hands on a paper that, that deals with that at the well, moment. So. And there's gotta be now, you know, if we, if we look at the names of people on the, those 483s from FDA, there's, there's gotta be, it seems like there's an office or a group at FDA that works on this. So maybe right. some of our FDA friends who listen to this, not on their FDA time, but on their personal time and can send us emails, not on, um, you know, with their, with, however, or send us messages through their smoke signals. Let us know if, if, the, if there's some sort of document that's out there on FDA's website that we might not know about that talks about the prevalence. Yeah, sometimes I'm sure we I'm sure we can find a, a paper, but I just yeah, it's it's probably not uh, possible to do in real time, or certainly not entertaining to do in real time. Yeah. Um. Okay. So a couple other things that I, I threw in uh, to the mm-hmm. to the folder. I saw this. We'll send you the link. Oops, I didn't mean to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, um. I saw. Uh, this the CDC announced a new center for forecasting and and outbreak analytics. Did this this was released yesterday or two days ago? Did you see? Did you see this? Because this no. is cool. This is yeah. This is where we. So 
Um, uh, I'll read, this is from a press release. There's not a whole lot of information. There's four people that are listed yeah. as part of this, this center. Um, but it, essentially this group is going to look at modeling and signals to provide earlier insights on outbreaks that are, that are happening. Um, the capabilities and team we are building at the new center will improve decision-making in a health crisis. Um, I'm proud of the CFA team and excited for their future. Better data and analytics will get her, give us better responses to protect all Americans. And I'm sure that this is all out of like COVID, but I think that mm -hmm. there's a really cool potential um, that, that real, that there for foodborne illness as well. And, and I'll tell you that this, I wanted to talk about this when we were talking about Lucky Charms, because I think that this is the kind mm. of thing that Patrick does with I Was Poisoned. may not be how CDC is looking at it, but there are data sets out there that give signals. And right. a, a center that is going to look at forecasting and outbreak analytics is looking for signals, right? Like, it seems like these two things go hand in hand. Um, yep. But so if you go to their website, mm -hmm. the thing that I wanted where was it? What we do about who we are, meet the team. Yeah. Okay. Meet, go to the meet the team link. Yep. I'll, I'll send it to you at the I bottom of this. Okay. Scroll all the way to the bottom workforce growth. CFA is growing. Mm. And this is the center for forecasting analytics. We are in the process of recruiting a diverse and highly qualified team of scientists, data engineers, software developers, scientific and risk communicators, mm. project managers, and much more. Current openings are posted at USA Jobs. I didn't go look. I'm not interested in the job, but this is cool, right? So, yeah. so this, so if you are interested, you listen to this podcast. You, you, you might be interested in working for CDC and their group of. Um, center for Forecasting and Outbreak Analytics. Go look for a job in in science, being a scientist or danger, data engineer or software developer or a scientific and risk communicator. I thought this was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, um, cool stuff. Yeah. So that, that caught my eye this week. Um, and then the other thing I was going to just talk about and see if, if there's other stuff that you want to talk about, but AFTO, um, our, our friends at the Association of Food and Drug Officials, they released a really nice white paper about recall modernization. And, and so I'll read a couple of things um, on this. This is from the, the executive summary. While US FDA um, has made efforts to address improvements around recall activities, more is needed to adequately protect consumers. The release of FDA's new era of smarter food safety blueprint calls for smarter tools and creative approaches for the prevention and outbreak response, including recall modernization. We urge FDA to do just that, creatively explore new perspectives, innovative policies, and out-of-the-box approaches to implement recommendations included in this report. And I want you, Don, um, to scroll down. I highlighted it's page nine um, of, of the report. Um, there's a whole bunch of cool stuff in here about different policies, sort of aligning F FDA and FSIS, training people within the industry, communication. And this is really, AFTO's focus was on communicating between agencies, local, state, federal agencies, and firms. Um, but I, I thought they did a really great, um, great job on saying, here are here's a bunch of bullets that if FDA and USDA FSIS wanted to take, they, they could move forward with real 
actionable changes in, in the world of recalls. So it's a good one. It's a good, this, I know it's a 20 page report. Um, it's a good one to take a look at. Yeah. Cool. Very, very cool. Good, good stuff. Yeah. I'm continuing to be very impressed with AFTO and, uh, and what they, what they can do. Me too. Um, okay. The last little thing that I had, sorry, I think I said that was the last thing I added, but there's mm-hmm. one other thing. Um, there was a, an, uh, an op-ed in today's New York times, April 21st, um, that, uh, how to stop super spreader events without masks. Um, and this is by Donald K. Milton, Edward A. Nardell and David Michaels. And, um, Donald Milton's a professor in environmental of environmental and occupational health at University of Maryland School of Public Health. Edward Nardell is a professor at Harvard Medical School. David Michael is a professor um, at the George Washington School of Public Health. And so the, this again caught my eye because it was, I, I think we're we're all kind of experiencing this weird situation of, you know, uh, airlines. Um, immediately, as soon as uh, the um, ruling on uh, CDC's powers to require face coverings in public transit, um, w- w- you know, once that uh, was stricken down by a judge earlier this week, um, uh, you know, the five major airlines all dropped their requirements. The almost immediately, there was a message that came out from my, like my local airport RDU saying masks are now optional. Um, and, and so, but I, I thought that this was, goes back to some of the stuff that we had talked about earlier on in the pandemic. And maybe this is useful for us to revisit as we go forward is the idea of, uh, masks are a really good and important tool and, and people are not going to wear them. Right? right. So, so what do we do? And this, this, this op-ed talks about ventilation, air filtration and air disinfection, and they really, a link to and talk to a bunch of GUV technology when GUV stands for, I think it's germicidal UV mm-hmm. using um, UVC light in, in rooms. And, and so they, they, you know, if we're going to be dealing with respiratory viruses forever, um, if we can improve indoor air by uh, ventilation, filtering, fanning, drawing, you know, air up and then using this GUV technology, it seems like this is good risk reduction and mitigation. Um, so I thought, I thought it was like an apropos time to write for them to write an op-ed about this in lieu of this, you know, the changing views on, uh, shouldn't say changing views, changing acceptability of masks or mandatory masking or requiring masks. Um, this is, so it seems like a technology that would be important for places like, I don't know, universities who have classrooms to invest in, right? Like this, where you've got hundreds of students all sitting together who may or may not be wearing masks going forward. This might be something that we might want to look at. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And this reminds me too of, and, and I know you're aware of these folks, um, the uh, company called Green Yard, uh, and they have a product, uh, Green Yard Pure, uh, which ha- they've been working really hard to get approval. And now it does have uh, a- approval by the FDA. And it's basically a technology that grew out of their 
interest in providing basically smoke effects for rock shows and the theater. Uh, and basically you can put the same compound in the air, which is um, non-toxic, you know, and, and you can put it there in levels that don't cause smoke effects or look like mist, but that still apparently have antiviral properties. And so they've been working really hard to kind of get, get this, the word out there and to get, go through, jump through all the hoops and, and, uh, get all approval for that and uh, with with relatively relatively good uh, good success and then the other thing that I want to share on this topic is a, a really cool thing that I found out about and again they, they talk about this in the op-eds like asking for proof of vaccination is not is not perfect but I did get a message um, about uh, graduation recently because uh, I've got a, a graduate student um, who's getting his PhD, who will be walking uh, across the stage and getting his PhD. And one of the, you know, the nice traditions that we have in academia is uh, of hooding. So the, the professor puts the PhD hood on the graduate student as a kind of like, congratulations, you're, you're now, you're in the club <laughs> kind, of right, a, right. kind of a thing. And um, so I'll be doing that. And I got a notification about the requirements and the, again, typically poorly worded email saying proof of vaccination is required and you either need proof of vaccination or you need a negative PCR test within 72 hours. Now, don't even get me started why a negative PCR test in the, in the previous 72 hours is a good is not a good idea because number one, PCR is too sensitive and number two, um, what if I got COVID the day before, right? Right, right. Don't even get me started. Um, but um I, I sent a sort of a snarky message back saying, what do you mean by proof of vaccination? So proof of vaccination is required, but tell me what I got to do so I can prove it. Do you, do you need me to have my physical card with me? Right. Do, do you need me to have a copy of my card? Do you need me? Is a photograph on my smartphone uh, sufficient? And I got a very nice email back from a woman that works in the graduate school who my snark was not directed at because I was sending it to a generic message. Um, and she said, well, you can either bring your card, you can bring a photo of your card, or there's an app for that. And oh. I found out about this app, um, which is called Docket, which is the one that's used in New Jersey. And this app is really cool. I found out about it. I got the email from, from Barbara. I found out about it. I downloaded the app. I put in my information. And literally, by the time she, she got a message, I, she sent me a message back saying, hey, yeah, the app is really good. I, it's, I said, yes, I know. I just entered all my information. And I'm so, using it. Yeah. And I did this. I did this while multitasking, walking on my treadmill, doing all this on my phone. And within four minutes, I was up and running. And it was really easy because you just put in the information. Um, you, you, you say which state, New Jersey, got my name, got my birth date. And boom. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? According to the state of New Jersey, I've been I've been. Uh, vaccinated and boosted so three shots and oh. and it's right there on my phone and, um and so real and, and technology that that's how technology should work it never works like that but it did in this case so i was really i was really really happy about that so i just wanted to share that with people um and again but again you know how about some good risk communication folks tell me what proof of that i shouldn't i should Every single person who's getting that message is probably having the same question that i'm having right, right. and it's what required I can't opt out. Yeah, yes, yeah. I can't yeah. opt out. Right. Um, so anyway. Uh, it, yeah. Interesting. So we when um, we went to Canada over the, the holidays and, um, you know, the, the to enter into restaurants, it was uh, you know required to have proof of vaccin vaccination. And there was like an app and then there was uh, paper vaccination 
cards. And then of course mm-hmm. we came from North Carolina with our CDC cards, mm-hmm. um, which, w- which was fine. Everyone was, was good with that, but it, I don't, I haven't talked to my parents about this, but like three days after we were leaving, there was the um, paper. You, you had to use the app. Like paper right. was not, or you needed, if you had to use, it had to be a QR code that was scannable. So the app right. gave that. Yep. But so my, my dad, who does not have a, he, he, he has an iPad and a, mm-hmm. and a home phone. He does not mm-hmm. have a, a, an mm-hmm. iPhone or, or any sort of smartphone. He would like, I mean, this was a topic of conversation for like five days about how will he be able to get into anywhere because he does not have a phone. And I'm like, well, I, I think they said you could print it out. And he goes, but, but what if, what if they don't take my print out? And I'm like, I, I don't know dad. I'm not sure. I'm sure it'll be, I'm sure it'll be fine. But to his point, it wasn't clearly, it, it, it's like, it's like your conversation here with Barbara. It wasn't clearly stated what you mean by proof of vaccination. And do I need a phone for it? Right. Right. Like, right. Like, oh no, you can use this. But he was he was nervous about it because he didn't want to, you know, have have to make my mom, who does have a, a an iPhone, go to the grocery store. Right. Like he knew he was going right. to need it for that. So, yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I guess I mean, they they've I, I can report that I do text with them on a, you know, a semi daily basis and they have survived. So they made it uh, through the right. process. But I don't know how they what, what like what it would it look like for them. Right. So, I, so, so I, do you, yeah. Do you, do you want to hear about my lead? And my oh yeah. Water? I want to talk. Yeah. Tell me about your lead test, your lead water test. So, yeah. So, so again, more examples of bad risk communication. I can't find the actual mailing that I received. Um, but, and apparently this has been an ongoing issue in Milltown, generally speaking. And so um, I just texted you a link to a PDF document which says um, Milltown utilities found elevated lead in drinking water in some homes and buildings. Lead can lead to serious problems, blah, blah, blah. Please read this information closely to see what you can do to reduce lead in your drinking water. And it's a two page PDF with rather small type, um, which talks about a lot of different stuff, right? Oh, this notice is being distributed under code of federal regulations for lead and copper, blah, blah, blah. Uh, 90th percentile is and just there's just it's just so much information and Ben I don't I don't know if you know this I have a PhD in this stuff right and I'm overwhelmed looking at this so right yeah effects of lead sources of lead um, okay finally we get to steps you can take oh these are great I determine if you have lead service line or interior lead plumbing or solder oh oh check your your service lines for lead okay that's a step you could take. I, to reduce I, your okay. exposure. Um, I'll uh, let me let me go read up on how to check my service line. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I got a good one here. In, okay, go ahead. Don, Don, you know you know a step you can take to to reduce exposure to lead in your drinking water. No. Do not boil water to remove lead. That's the step. <laughs> that that is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't understand. I, that, that's that is, that's yeah. good information, right? <laughs> like telling me telling take. me that, but it's not the step I can take. Yes. <laughs> Um, how, Don, uh, another step that you, you might be able to take, um, to, to reduce exposure to lead in drinking water is, um, have an electrician check, check your wiring. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand. Uh, oh, it's related to something else, but it's, but it doesn't, it's not a step. It's really not a step I can take. 
Yeah. Um, you know, you know, what is a step that you could take would be number eight, test your water for lead. Yes. Right. Now, but it's important, Ben, you don't want to go with any just like, like fly by night um, uh, lead testing company, right? Um, so you, you can click on this link, um, which, which is entitled uh, www.13.state.nj.us uh, slash data miner. Now, okay. I, don't, I don't know what that's going to do for me today. Oh, I know um, what it's going to do for me. What it, did, what it did for me the other day um, was to take me to a website that didn't work. Um, <laughs> so let's see. So uh, what well, do I want to do? I want to search uh, by by site, I guess, a site. Um, don't, no, don't. I want to search by... <laughs> I'm not sure you want to do this because here you will find a variety of reports that will provide you with up-to-the-minute results. Not the search data miner tool. I hope, how about lead? What if I search for lead? I want to know about lead. Uh, no, no, no reports on lead. Okay. Well, you know what oh, I can do wait. then? Okay. Search by category, select okay. certified laboratories, then sub oh. then click on okay. submit and submit. and then okay. um, choose drinking water certified lead labs. Drinking that seems like a lot of stuff. Lead labs. Okay. Wait a minute. It's loading. It's loading, Ben. Oh, there we go. Oh, here's a it lab. Did it work? Oh, it worked. Wow, it, it worked. See, this didn't work before. Now I got to know which county I'm in, and it's listed alphabetically by county. So I'm in Middlesex County. I don't know. I don't know where Middlesex is, but it's not under number. Oh, here, number two. Okay. Well, all right. So there's some labs. Anyway, here's the thing, Ben. I also know uh, about labs because I'm a microbiologist and I often refer people to labs. And so I just called up, I called it, I went to, to the website of a lab that I know and trust that apparently can do lead testing. And so I had my lead tested. Um, I had my lead tested. I had my water tested for lead. Now, there's a certain way you have to do this. Um, you should, you, well, it's cost 50 bucks a test. So first of all, you should know it costs 50 bucks a test. Um, again, communication from the lab, not fantastic. I need to get a bottle to put the lead in. I need to provide, a, I think it was, a, a, I needed to provide at least 500 mLs. Um, they don't, they don't tell you what kind of bottle to use, but I went to the store and I bought a seltzer bottle because I don't want to do a soda bottle because then, there, I don't know, there might be soda cross-contamination, right? So I bought a seltzer bottle. I, I drank the seltzer out of the bottle and then I, I got up in the morning and uh, went to the cold tap um, and first draw cold, cold water uh, and then sent it off. And then they, they I sent them a check or something or credit card, I think a check. And they tested my water and Ben, there is lead in my water. Oh. Um, and, and here's the thing, you know, how much lead EPA would like there to be in the water? Uh, is it zero? Zero. The answer mm. is zero. EPA wants there to be zero lead, but my, my value of lead in my water was well below the action limit that apparently triggered this whole thing. Ah, Okay. Did, so, did so, you, yeah. Um, did you, did you do not boil water to remove lead? <laughs> Cause that is a well, medication step that you can take. <laughs> I often, I often will boil water. I, I boiled water three times today to make coffee, uh, coffee and tea. Well, just don't um, do it to I, remove lead. Cause it says in the, just <laughs> in the next section, when it gives you more details, it just says boiling water will not reduce lead. <laughs> Another uh, step, another step that I can take to reduce lead 
is to get my child tested. Yeah, get your child tested. Have you done that? Have you called your children? No, no, I have not got my children tested because they don't live in Milltown. They have never lived in Milltown. I, I, it, Don, it's not clear whether that matters here. I think you should probably get them tested <laughs> because that might reduce, again, exposure to lead in your drinking water just by yeah. getting them tested. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, I haven't I have had an electrician in to check my wiring, check not wiring. for lead, but just to make sure my house doesn't burn down. Um, and I will say too, the the lead that I the water that I had tested was from my downstairs bathroom. I don't know if that matters, but that's what I did. Um, and we have on our kitchen sink, which we use for drinking water, there is a filter. And then our on our refrigerator, there is also a filter. And then there is also a pre-filter on the drinking water, on the, the, um, um, on the, um, uh, the, the refrigerator. So we're, we're filtering all of our cooking water. Triple right? filter. All, Tri triple well, filter not, water. No, no, oh. there's three filters. It doesn't mean triple oh. filter. One is single filter and the other is double filter. Right. They don't, they're not, in, they're not in, in series. Uh, they're in, they're in parallel. Two or two are in series and one is in parallel to the other two. Um, but yeah, so uh, anyway, and, oh, and the other thing too, I wanted to find out like, how did, how did EPA set their action limit? Right. 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 And I could, I, because, because my lovely wife, who's not a scientist said, what, how did they set that number? <laughs> and and uh, the answer is, I don't know. I couldn't find out. Right. Huh. So the 90th percentile. Yeah. It was greater than the lead action level of 15 parts per billion. That's a, that's not a lot of lead. Right. Uh, and I think what I think my, the water that we had to, I, I could, I could look, I got the test somewhere, but it was, it was quite low, um, less than 15 parts per billion, certainly. Um, <clears throat> but I don't know how EPA set that 15 parts per billion um, action level. So, um, huh. and it's probably, again, I am a little bit familiar with risk management, Ben, uh, you and I, uh, don't are not risk managers, but we do pretend to be risk managers on a podcast. Um, and I think it probably has to do with what's reasonably achievable, right? Um, but but I could not find any information. And this was this, despite you know quite you know, I would say at least a good fifteen minutes of searching on the internet. Um, so yeah. Well, anyway, <clears throat> that is interesting. Um, so uh, it, well, we we won't. Uh, we won't spend any more time on this lovely brochure, which is entitled <laughs> Milltown Borough, comma, public education, comma, brochure. Sure. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, more important, important information about lead in your drinking water, not more important. That would make make me feel like there was a, another one that we missed. Well, I did get, I did get a second mailing, um, which oh. I, 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 I don't know where it is, but <clears throat> yeah, it's... Uh, Let's just say that a risk communication, it, there's probably not a person uh, in charge of Milltown water uh, risk communication. <laughs> right. If they are, they're not very good at it. Did have a very nice chat with a fellow that basically runs the Milltown water office when my water was smelly at one point. Um, and he tried to tell me that I had a very sensitive nose. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure that anybody could smell this. Yeah, yeah right, right. Uh, well, hey, there you go. Um, I, I'm not, um, the lead in, in our water never has really become a thing. Like I'm, uh, uh, this is something that I, we, we've lived now in a, I think our house is like 40 years old or so. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we have lead pipes or not, or lead mm -hmm. service. Um, I, I, I don't, I've not been able to determine if I have lead service line or interior lead plumbing or solder. 
So maybe we should maybe we should do that. Or maybe they did that when we had our home inspection. I'll have to go back and look. I'm I'm pretty sure they do not test your. <clears throat> oh, you mean test their water, or you mean no, like check to see if we have any interior lead plumbing. Like I don't know, I don't know if they do that. I don't I don't think they do that. Mm. Yeah, because how would they how would they do that, right? Because because yeah. the any well, like if you if you redo a bathroom or a kitchen or something, you know they're going to go back to the service lines, right? So yeah, I don't I don't I don't yeah I don't know how they would do that. I think we I think you could check though. In my house, not to like, don't be creepy, but we have a crawl space where I think I can look up into, like I can see plumbing and I think our service line, I know the okay. service line comes into our house there because okay. right. I could right. turn it yeah, off. You, yeah, you could turn it off there. Yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, that's true. That, that there you could, you could test that. Yeah. yeah well, uh, you should just get your water tested then. Well, I, you know, I, I think I just might, I, I'm going to go skip to right to step nine and get my kids tested. <laughs> and then they'll, that'll tell me that you'll be like, Hey kids, you got lead. Okay, you do. All right, now we'll now we'll look. Now don't boil it. Don't boil <laughs> that water. Oh, ah, awesome. Well, I I think that's a show. Uh, I, I think, think so. We, we ran through everything that we had in our list. We talked about lead. Um, all right. Okay. Well, um, I will. I'll talk to you later. Bye bye. <laughs> That's all right. Tried to, tried to do that off mic. Yeah, well, that was in the after show, right? Yeah, that's in the after show. It was after after we said bye and you laughed. So definitely. <laughs> um, so the J- Jason Bashara from Pepsi, um, te- texted me. We talked we talked talked about him earlier, but let me. Yes. Uh, th- this is not on this show. In case no, you're wondering, no. on a different on a different show that wasn't a show. Um, he let me let me read to you. I got this is awesome. Um, did you the, the quote? Did you happen to listen to the Marler podcast? This is him to me. <laughs> I was like, Well, no, I was there for it. Why, why would I listen to it? He says, The last three minutes are very raw chatting between the two of you. Interesting behind the scenes, post closing music. <laughs> oh, no, did, we, did you forget to take out some audio, Ben? <laughs> I must have, I forgot. I, he discovered 
the after show after uh, 260 episodes. Well, um, and see, if you're if you're listening to this now, you're already in the after show. Um, but it is funny that occasionally we will get a message from somebody saying, hey, guys, did you know that there's actually some stuff after the music finishes? And we're like, yeah, we, we do this. We do it on purpose. Yeah, on purpose. It's in it's in the it's in the show. Uh, yeah. But he was he was very it was like urgent. Right. Um, he said, he said, I was making coffee as the podcast ended. And suddenly I was riveted by the post closing conversation. Um, and then he said, there, at some point I must have said, quote, big dawn day, because I think you and I were recording something else or had something. Yes. Else going on. Oh, yeah. We hit, we, that was the day we did risky or not and food. Safety yeah, it was a big dawn day, day, right? Big dawn yeah. day. Um, so anyway, I thought it, it was fun. Every time that that happens, I like I like it. Uh, yeah. And and this is the uh, since the after show, we will. Um, hopefully have on, we, we, I, I didn't want to talk about this in the main show cause I want to save it for mm-hmm. an actual show, but we, someone got really upset, um, at some stuff that we said in, in another episode when Larry Goodrich was on with, with us. And the person who got really upset was someone who we mentioned and I've invited said person on, on the show. He could not make it today. Um, but I, I said, I want you to come, uh, and, yeah. and express your, your, uh, your concerns. And also I did say, if, if you have a podcast that, that we would also be happy to be guests on your podcast to talk about your concerns. Um, and they might start a podcast. You never they, know. They, they might. It's, it's, it's in the, it's in the works apparently. So maybe a new podcast is coming in our, in the mm-hmm. food safety space. I look forward to it. Um, so a- anyway, uh, no, no, no more uh, further on that until hopefully our next episode. Uh, but that was, that's a teaser as they say. Um, so we're, I'm all caught up, which is nice. Uh-huh. I like that. Um, two weeks from now, let's see what we got going on that week. May. Okay, I'm not available on the second. We're already recording Risky or Not on the third. Not available on the fourth. I could do almost any time. I've got like a... Um, I've done something very important in my calendar. Um, mm. I'm going to read, I'm going to read to you the exact, all the information Rick's hall, which is a, the name of a, a, a hall where we're like a building that we're renovating Al dash Alfred Williams sit test. Okay. Is that like a sit rep? It, it is. It's like, <laughs> it's like a sit rep. Don, we're, um, we are uh, renovating a, a building and in said building, there will be new furniture, including conference room chairs. And I have been invited, Don, it's a very, I mean, I'll tell you that being a department head is a very important, very important job. Um, I've been in, in, invited to this, the official sit test to where we will sit on oh, the furniture. Oh, sit test to like sit see test. to see how comfy the chairs yeah. are. Yeah, yeah, like like you know, have you been have you been to IKEA ever? Have you seen have you seen the they they have uh in in some of their showrooms they they have like um simulated people sitting on things to show, you know, after 15,000 compressions, oh. it, it doesn't the the pillow doesn't change or after they, they also have a simulated like closing and opening doors that show repeated use in a kitchen. It doesn't break, break down the, the, the hardware. So I will be doing not multiple, you know, not thousands of seat sitting sittings. I will just be sitting and, you know, um, maybe getting up and sitting back down 
in in a handful of chairs so we can choose which ones will go into our conference rooms. It's very important. Cool. So anyway, that's the only thing that I have scheduled that day. Um, other than I have a doctor's appointment that afternoon at three. So that I'll be done my sit test at 930. I could really like any time in between say 10 and 230, we could record on the 5th. Oh. That was a long winded way to see if you're available even on May 5th. And so the answer is no. <laughs> but, <I'm, laughs> but you wanted to hear about the yeah, sit test. I, I, you were very keen to tell me all that. So I was going to just let you go. I was, so, I was. Yeah. So starting early in the morning on May 5th, I am driving to State College. Oh. Um, I am presenting. Um, I, and this is what I was, what I was actually doing while you were talking was looking to see if I had any more concrete details. On my calendar, it indicates I'm speaking from 1.30 to 3. I don't know exactly when it is I'm speaking, but I'm pretty sure that it's that's when it is. Um, but um, yeah, so uh, that's that's what I've got on my calendar. Um, and I've look at, I'm looking on their website to try to see when the any details about the conference, and it's not it's not uh, posted yet. So. Um, just don't know what's going on with that. So, um, <clears throat> and, and so I could theoretically do something that day, but, but yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of a, a little bit hairy. No, and no, then yeah. yeah, on the, on the sixth, I'm driving home from state college. And then I've got a faculty meeting in the afternoon. Um, that is seminar departmental seminar has ended. So I could theoretically do something in the afternoon of the sixth, but we could also look at other dates. I could do the afternoon of the six, like one till three. Nah, I can't do it. Yeah, that's, that's like my faculty meeting starts at uh, 1230. So, so what if we did a, do you want to do another big dawn day? Sure. Um, so we're already got risky or not on Tuesday, the third. Do you want to do food safety talk like 11 until one? on the third so that's like it's a lot though right no I, and i i can't yeah. i got okay. too much other stuff going on that day i've got the oh, we're having a graduation luncheon which i've got to be there because i'm graduate program director um let's see and then next so next week i could do i've got a gap so on friday I, it looks like I've got a meeting. So I think there's going to be something that goes on my calendar. Anyway, next Friday, the 29th, do you have time in the morning? Uh, I have a lab meeting with yeah. the students. I know you don't like, yeah, I'm trying to stay away from Friday. Yeah. And then I'm, oh, um, that's all right. Yeah. I don't, I don't really, I could, I could move lab meeting to 11 and I could do nine to 11. What, what, let's not do that. Let's not. So, what if we did this? What if we went to May 9th? I have like um, a lot of availability on the 9th. Yeah. So, I've, um, I've got a four o'clock call that can be rescheduled, and I've got a one o'clock call with Michelle's grant that can't be rescheduled. So, well, do you want to? I could do, yeah, I could do, uh, I could do two to four. Yep. I could do two to four. Or we could do eleven to one. Uh, okay, that, that which which what's your preference? Uh, 
Two, two to four is my preference, but either one's fine. Yeah, let's do two to four. Okay. That's good. I've got to meet with somebody at some point in between one and five, but it's flexible. Two to four is perfect because I can do it at one or I can do it at four. Okay, cool. 262. All right, Monday, May 9th. That's a go. 2 p.m. 2 p.m. Cool. Done in the calendar. We did it. Um, all right, cool. Well, yeah, so so the Pepsi stuff seems good. Yep. Um, that was, yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, and yeah, I'm excited for that. So I'll probably, I'll like, I'll meet you up there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah I have that. Yeah, well, what, what are you, where are you flying in? Well, well I don't know uh, yet. Yeah. 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 Because I mean, it's, I guess it's theoretically possible. I could, if you're flying into Newark, I could pick you up, but that introduces some complexity. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll, and we'll get up there, but we're, since we're going to spend the night up there, we'll have dinner and hang out. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to get in the night before? Yeah. yeah I'll get in the night before for sure. Okay. okay. Um, Cause it, I mean, trying to get there and start something at nine would be like, I don't think I could do it. You've done it before. I have, but it's usually in a city where like, it, like DC, I can do it. Yeah. Because I know yeah. there's a commuter flight know, that goes yeah. in and it yeah. arrives at 745 and I can take the metro. Yeah. This is a little bit a little harder. Okay. Um, cool. Okay, cool. Awesome. All right. Well, I will uh I, I think that's it. I'll I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Okay, bye.